Hi everyone, welcome to Triway Tower. As we wrap up Women's History Month, we wanted to carve out some space to think about sisterhood and the global feminist movement. Today, we're joined by Saleha Patti, who is a creative and entrepreneur thinking of how we can build community for and by South Asian women through the internet. And this is really exciting because Zainab and I became friends on the internet, so we're really excited to continue exploring this further, especially given the pandemic. The thing I miss most is my friends and my female friendships. So we want to uplift that and the power of that through this episode today. So welcome, Saleha, and how's everyone doing today? Thank you so much for having me and for such a wonderful introduction. I am so, so happy to be here and be joined in the company of Sidra and Zena both. You two have truly enlightened and um, inspired me to do what I do. And so thank you for having me today. And all's good. All's good. Thanks, Saliha, so much for being here. Um, to start off, could you tell us just a little bit about yourself, about Banjara, um, kind of how you got started? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I was born in Lahore and I grew up in Pakistan up until age 10, 11. And then I moved to Los Angeles after my mother's death. And um, because my sisters and brothers were going to university out in California and throughout my teenage life and my 20s, um, I've really not been able to settle with the with the girl on girl, sister on sister hate and competition. I haven't been able to accept that or understand that. And it's been a place that has really been um, chaotic for me um, and disturbed me. And and I really, 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 really needed support um, from from like, you know, womb kinds like like me. Um, And so. And so um, through the different journeys of my life. Um, I made so many mistakes without guidance, being the first woman in my whole family or anybody that I knew of my kind coming from a South Asian family, immigrating to America. I was the only person that I knew who was, you know, doing things on her own and trying to be curious and defining things on her own terms. Um, And it was really, really difficult to be able to have conversations with a woman of my age or younger or older. And the difficulty was that we, a lot of, a lot of the women didn't hear me, what I was saying. And it's not, when I say hear, it doesn't mean agree. Hear is just to listen and to witness me and exactly where I am at that time. And I didn't get that. And so, through a lot of um, conquests and wins in my life, <laughs> let's note that, that a win always comes after a lot of loss. And so um, I realized, hey, I really going to connect with women. And this didn't come out of a dream or an epiphany. This literally came out of me being in the company of women. For the first time in 2018, I invested in a, a retreat that had about six executive women for four days in Joshua Tree together and spend that time together. And I was like, I don't really understand this concept. And one of my friends kind of recommended it to me. And so I was like, Mm, you know, $1,000 for four days, like, seriously, like, is it worth it? Okay, never invested in myself or, or connecting in women. I mean, I went to a lot of networking events in Silicon Valley and Silicon Beach, but most of the networking was not anywhere near what happened during that retreat. And so during that time, those four days, I really, really realized the power of women gathering together and the following year I spent all of my time all of my money all of my resources into my own growth and it's brought me to a place where there's nothing more that I believe in than this which is 
that when women gather, miracles happen because we are miraculous. We have wombs and bodies that create miracles, that are made to create miracles. And so um, I started doing a little bit of research here and there, and I was like, okay, let's just get into it, and let's see if any woman, any South Asian woman or any woman is able to hear what I'm saying. And so I just started with my closed network, and then on Instagram, and we started doing Zoom meetings um, every Thursday, sometimes Friday and sometimes Sunday, last November. And when Clubhouse came into the picture, I started doing Clubhouse gatherings, and it has proven to be a phenomenal, phenomenally valuable concept and targeted specially to South Asian women because we're at a cusp where the South Asian women are really rising up and accepting, acknowledging the abuse, the trauma, the cycles that we have been facing this whole time. We're just waking up to the facts. And I think that the most potent gateway to build at this time is to reclaim, rewire, re-knit the concept and 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 the the solidarity that sisterhood brings the meaning of sisterhood what it really means and so um and it begins at gathering together when we gather our energies are at the same place and Fortunately, I have been gifted with the talent of containing the energies and flowing them in a certain way where we are making it valuable, sustainable, safe, secure, and for every single sister to be heard exactly how she is without any judgment without any feedback, without any advice, without any sort of push that, oh, you're right and wrong. And so I want to, with this, really eliminate the idea of what's right and wrong and really tap women into the wisdom that lives within us, within our wombs, within our bodies, because truly we're miraculous. We just got to realize that. And I think that when one sister realizes it. She's like, wow, mind blown. Okay, I'm going to bring every other woman in my circle, circle into this acknowledgement and into this wisdom and spread it. So I really believe this to be a, a, a movement that creates a domino effect. And we're starting that with just little, small, intimate gatherings that have become so powerful and uh, I'm I'm beyond lucky to be chosen to do this work and there's nothing more that makes sense to me than this and so that's my that's my life's dedication and and I really believe that when the women of South Asia rise together and heal themselves our continent, our lands, our people are all going to come into balance. The balance that we've been yearning for this whole time. Wow, that's so powerful. Thank you for sharing all of that with us and framing it. And um, I've been really inspired by your work and just getting to join the rooms that you host on Clubhouse and the conversations um, that are really difficult topics that it's really hard for people to talk about. Um, and just the bravery that when you model it, it opens up the space for other people to model it, especially going through a pandemic. My real community has always been my female friends who provide that space for like just pure joy and being yourself and being accepted as yourself unconditionally. That's kind of the most wonderful thing I've gotten to experience. And I've really been thinking about how do we continue to build that when we all can't hang out together and be together. So your 
just getting to experience how you host the rooms and create that space virtually has been really powerful. Yeah, definitely want to echo that. And thanks, Saleha, for for sharing a little bit of your background. I think it just makes perfect sense listening to you talk about how you feel like you, it, to me, it feels like you were kind of born to do this work, like having had some conversations with you, you're just like naturally so talented at um, bringing people together and holding space for people. And I was also in um, one of the Banjara Clubhouse rooms uh, a few weeks ago about just bragging and uh, acknowledging our own accomplishments and each other's accomplishments, uh, however big or small. And even just that space with a few people, it was just so refreshing to just get together on a Friday night. Um, it was a Friday night here in the U.S. and um, just listen to people appreciate themselves and brag about themselves I think like with women so many times like our confidence is so undermined and we're told to be humble or people are trying to constantly humble humble us um, and put us in our place so to speak so it was just great to just see women celebrating their own accomplishments and and just being in, in community with, with each other on a platform like that thank you so and much think- to both of you um for joining and it empowers me brings me so much joy that you both uh, Sidra and Zainab and and so many other sisters who've joined and attended take back this sense of power this sense of intimacy the sense of love within themselves so thank you so much this is the first space really outside of I think What's really wonderful about this is that you have the norms and the culture that you want to infuse into the space. And so not every space is safe for South Asian women or is one that you can be yourself or even find support from the women in the room because there are so much, so many different layers of performance and patriarchy and and what it expects and the rules that women are expected to follow. So I think that's also what the really magical thing has been about women being themselves and making space for others to do that too. And like exactly what Zainab said, like people are always trying to humble us. And so it's really powerful that you've created a space where we celebrate ourselves and each other and also grow together and talk about really difficult things that there isn't, it's uh, stigmatized to talk about in other spaces. So that's why I think it's really, it's like the first thing that I've encountered that feels like a community centric around that and not just, this is me and my five friends that I trust to talk about this thing. It feels really amazing to experience that with a stranger that you can kind of trust in the space to be brave because we've all agreed to the rules of being in the community. I think the fact that it's just open to anyone, any woman who wants to join, because it's like hard for, not everyone has uh, good friends that they can trust or people in their lives that they can be vulnerable with. So it's like for any, for someone who has no community and is just feeling really isolated, this is a huge lifeline. And so it's, it's really great that it exists. And then also to your point about like South Asian women rising up, I've been seeing a lot of more conversations in the diaspora about um, just like unlearning a lot of the, the norms that we've been taught and some of the structures that we grow up in in our communities and how harmful they are to us as women and like trying to break the cycle of that. And I've also been seeing like I'm Pakistani and so I've been like following a lot of the activism and organizing around the the Orith March or the Women's March in Pakistan, which has just been tremendously effective in changing the discourse in a in a country where it, it feels like a lot of the odds are against women. And so I think like the Orith March has, March has been growing for the past few years and I've just been watching in awe and they've been getting a lot of backlash, um, which is, you know, expected and people have definitely been trying to silence the organizers, but despite, you know, every, all the forces against them, they've been really, really effective and like just each year gets bigger and bigger. So it's amazing to see. I think we're in a really incredible moment right now. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. A hundred percent. This is potent, timely, and perfectly orchestrated by the universe. Um, 
we've got so much work to do and it's not the work for how may I say this correctly so I don't want to come off as in saying that I'm excluding someone what I'm really saying and truly believe in is that as South Asian women, we got to work on ourselves first. I understand that we're screaming for other people to ally with us and do things and make things better. This includes men, this includes family members, this includes husbands and kids and workspaces and governments and structures and all of that. Yes, they do. But all of them come after we have connected to our own truth, our on our own bodies. When I think about the earliest years of my life, why did I not appreciate being a woman? It was because I was shamed and blamed and thrown because I was a woman. I was born a femme, right? And so healing that connection to the femme within us, to the womb within us, is where it all begins. And when we do connect to it, we heal ourselves from all of the trauma, all of the bad things, all of the words that have been said to us, all of the names that we've been called, all of the different circumstances that we have wounded from. And we understand that, hey, this is where the power of sisterhood comes in, of Behanchara comes in, that when the understanding is built among several women together through conversation and a flow of energy, it sets in right where it needs to, instead of being here and there and flying and questioning and rationalizing and blah, blah, blah. So the understanding is that we always have a choice Whatever the circumstance, we always have two choices, to grow a wound from it or to grow in wisdom from it. And so we need to connect to our own womb's wisdom so that whenever something happens, no matter what it may be, we're growing wiser from it. And for so long, what's been happening and this is the cycle that we got to break we got to break the cycle is that we continue to grow wounding from it oh this happened and that happened and oh my god i'm so sad that's so awful we hear this over and over and over again when anyone shares a vulnerable story the response from others is oh i'm so sorry that's awful there are effects that become permanent as we use these victim-based, sorry-based words over and over again towards women and their experiences. So one of the mission through the gatherings of Behanchara is to allow women to witness each other without having to contribute any kind of words or sorriness. I understand it's coming from a solidarity space, but it creates more hmm, it creates more damage than benefit. And I understand that that's hard to understand for many people. I get it. That's why we're building an understanding through each, each gathering where when we just get to witness each other and exactly who we are and we tap into hey, I felt that way. And then in the end, we talk about a practice that releases it and we introduce lexicon and vocabulary that is replacing the victim vocabulary with the victorious vocabulary. It's automatically empowering. And as a collective, it exponentially just bursts out. And these, this is what you, both of you, are feeling when you attend Behanchara. This is what every sister is feeling when we attend Behanchara. And the more that we are doing it, the better we're getting at it. Yesterday, the Behanchara gathering around sensuality was phenomenal. We were four women. And we had conversations, epiphanies, and wound healings in such depth, and these all of us four have been attending the gatherings 
regularly. And I was just like, oh my God. So this is what happens when we continue to gather. We continue to listen and see each other instead of going into that space where we're like, oh yeah, I heard her and that's so bad. I feel so bad about it. Why does this stuff exist? Oh my God, the world is awful. Like, I don't want the world to be like this. You hear that kind of victim tone in my voice? It's not just in my voice. It's in those words. It's in the feelings that arouse from those words. And so that is what we're on the mission to change. We're on the mission to change how we look at ourselves, how we hear our stories, the stories that we weave, how we see each other as sisters, and what the hell sisterhood means. It's not just to gather and have a good time. Yes, we can have that, but it's way more than that. And so there, I absolutely loved what you said, which is that the women who don't have good friendships, and these are the women who have had adversity at different points of their life, which is most of us. If as a South Asian woman, you're surrounded by good-hearted, free women as your girlfriends, you are privileged as fuck. Because most of us don't ever get to open up to another woman in our life, whether that be our mom, our sister, our mother-in-law, our own daughter, or whoever it may be, our best friend in college. There's so much shame that a woman to another woman gets transferred and portrayed and thrown at that it's just, it, it breaks my heart. And I know that it breaks all of our sisters' hearts. We, over centuries of conditioning, have been pitted against each other and have forgotten the power of us as a collective. And who pitted us against competitive again to be competitive against each other? Voila, patriarchy. I don't need to tell this to the both of you. You know it very well. <laughs> you know it very, very well. Yeah, just the way that you weave weaved all that together between the shame and then the trauma that are that we hold in our bodies from experiencing shame and shaming ourselves and shaming our bodies. I think Zainab and I have talked about the importance of mental health and and just like our journeys with setting boundaries, healing from different experiences that are like just navigating how to have healthy practices and taking care of ourselves and our bodies. Um, we've really been um, sharing that journey on this podcast. I also feel like I'm in that place right now in my journey. I've been blessed with a lot of wonderful mentors and female friends and and women in my life that I really look up to, and I'm grateful for that. And uh, I think there's been personally in my life just this like grappling with being a feminist and how that has been like a word that's been weaponized against us, especially being Pakistani, being an immigrant, and trying to navigate all these different identities, that it really feels nice to find this group of women that are like, okay, well, we're just going to make the space here and learn how we can build each other up with that same understanding. I loved how you weaved it all together on how you you drop into your body and how that affects the way that you think about yourself and the way that you approach other people and how that really allows you to hold space for others. Yeah, I was just like left kind of speechless um, after Salaha. I think, yeah, just like the way that you have a way of explaining things that's just really incredible. And I think Sidra and I were both curious about some things that inspire you um, just in your day-to-day life where you find inspiration or just from your experiences, if um, there's anything around that that you want to share. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much for asking that. My inspiration are my six beautiful nieces. They are growing up right now. They are from age 12 all the way down to four. And I'm doing this so that they get to have a model in their life. They get to go to sisters and and ask for guidance and seek guidance instead of falling on their face a thousand times, which I did. <laughs> so, um, Sidra, you are so 
so, so lucky and I'm so grateful that you are to have female role models and mentors in your life. I was not gifted with that at all. My mother passed away very early. My older two sisters have had a very, 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 very difficult life. My oldest sister, Haniapi, and I dedicate Behinchara to her. She went through some really, really tight spots in her life. And I've been trying to look for her for the last six years. And the first two of the six, I did find her. But I haven't been able to find her for the last four. And so she's my inspiration. My second sister is also my inspiration, who has two daughters. <laughs> Uh, out of the six nieces that I have, and um, I just, I just don't want any behen, any sister out there, to feel like she doesn't have an option. She doesn't have someone to talk to. She doesn't have uh, choices because when we're left alone, that's exactly what happens. When we don't have someone to talk to in our family, in our closed network, I'm not saying someone to just talk to blah, blah, blah about someone to really unravel your heart and your true emotions with and be seen in that moment. Guidance is not, hey, I want advice. Tell me what to do. Uh-uh. Guidance is, I'm going to show myself to you. And in showing myself to you, when you truly see me and be my true mirror, I will be able to see myself. And that is how my inner guidance is able to communicate with myself when I am blurry. And so I want, I want to just eliminate this whole experience of women from South Asia feeling like they don't have a choice. That this is the only thing they got to do. They don't have nowhere else to go. And yeah, so that's where I'm building. There you go. Yes, I will say I have three older sisters and I've learned lots of things from them as I've grown up. But I also inherited a lot. Like we're all kind of on a unlearning journey together right now of the things that we just took at face value when we were growing up and how that affects our mental health and the way that we think about things. But I, I wanted to add that a lot of my friends and the people that I look up to and people that I feel like I've built these relationships of trust with I met on the internet and it can be a really weird place, but it can also be a place where we can find these connections that are not always in front of us. Yeah, I think the internet has been like such a great link to other people. I, I also, I didn't grow up with a lot of like really strong women in my life, I would say. I mean, I think they were strong in their own ways, but in, in the sense of like challenging any of like some of the oppressive ideas we inherit from, you know, generations above us. Like there just wasn't a lot of resources or language around that that they had. And then subsequently, like I didn't really grow up with it either. Um, and so I think like as I got older, late teens, early 20s was really when I was able to have some of these really formative friendships with people that I met through the internet and then some of my childhood friends too who like were we were all kind of unpacking together the things that we went through um but yeah I had a very lonely childhood in the sense that like I, I just was um I have two brothers they're both very old much older than me and so didn't have like a lot of spaces uh where I could like turn to somebody to talk to about real stuff or to have just like someone who would really listen to me um, and I love that you said that your nieces are your inspiration because I have a three-year-old niece and every time I look at her, she's just the love of my life. And I always think about like the way that she's like coming into her personality and like the person that she's growing up to be. And like, I can't wait to be there for her to be like somebody that she can lean on and uh, feel safe around and like be vulnerable with as she like come, becomes a woman into her own womanhood. And that's like something that really does keep me going on a day-to-day -day basis too. So I'm really glad that you said that. Incredible, incredible. <laughs> so 
so amazing. Uh, I mean, these little lives are just, they're, they're the future and the future is better than what we experienced. And this is what we get to do. Um, I resonate with your experience so much, Anna, because all of these traumas and, 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 and limiting beliefs and things that we think, choices, options that we think we don't have are not ours. They were passed down from our mothers and grand and great mothers, right? And so that's becoming more and more obvious to more and more of us. And that's so helpful in bringing us to a place where we get to be like, okay, we can break this cycle. We don't need to continue giving this to our daughters and nieces and all of the sisters that exist now. And I can break it in my lifetime. And a lot of, I want to kind of burst a myth here right now, is that many of us feel that, hey, we need to, we need time, we need resources, we need X, Y, Z to really do all of this. We need the system to change for us to change. No. No, no, no. It only takes one moment, one moment of commitment to rewiring your own programming, to working on yourself in a loving way, not a judgmental way, not in a way that you're denying your experiences, in a loving way where you accept everything that has been, everything that you are, including all your faults, all your mistakes, all of the times that you have taken a success as a failure and a failure as a success. And so we, it only takes one moment to do that. And when we have, I, I, this is this is so evident, when we have sisters to witness us in that moment and to support us in that moment it mutes or decreases the programmed judgmental noisy voice in our minds and so then we're able to really hear okay yeah this is exactly what i want and right now i have the support for it and it makes it louder and louder and says yes i want to commit to myself and then the gathering, the sisterhood helps it become from I want to heal myself to I am healing myself on a continuous basis and becomes a reminder. This is what we're here to do. And I haven't really shared this publicly before. And I'm so, so grateful to have the both of you here um, to share this with. Um, my nieces are are my inspiration and they're going to be the first benefactors of what Behanjara becomes and and in 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 monetary value also because all of the income through it is going to go into a fund for their education i was not supported to go to college i was not supported to do to pursue painting and music when i was a child and a teenager and it really really created a bad conversation within my body and within my head for myself and so i know who my brothers are and my hobbies are and my sister is and i can feel that they're going to not be fully supported in educating themselves as well and so i want to create resources and accumulate them for them so when they come to age and they do want to pursue something it's right there it's right there like how wonderful oh my god best thing i don't want any kind of home or fashion or travel or whatever I, I, it's done for me what i want is to create value to create value for every single woman who becomes a part of Behenjara, and then for these angels that have inspired me and shown me what really truly matters. They helped me connect to my child self. Wow, wow. Salah, that is incredible. What she is said, it? Pay me in equity. <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah, I resonate with that so much. Um, I don't want to belittle the support and the leadership and the role models that I had when growing up but in some ways I did feel like I had to carve my own path when I was trying to address my anxiety and the depression and all of the mental health issues that 
I struggle with. And that has been a very lonely journey of healing and having friends who have done that before me has been so helpful to illuminate what it looks like to break these generational cycles. And I've been talking to my cousin lately and, you know, when a moment gets hard and it feels like I want to go back to an old way of being, um, I, I literally just say like, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm a good, I want, I am a good ancestor. Like not, I want to be one or I will be, but like in breaking the cycle, I'm being a good ancestor. And so I love that you took that to a whole other level of like literally creating the path for the next generation because yeah, we don't have to keep passing this down and I'm really excited for future generations to be able to just step fully into their power without having to unlearn so many toxic ways of thinking and harmful ways of living. And especially that you, you know, created a fund so that people can be an artist or um, pursue music. I resonate that with that so hard because I wanted to do fashion design growing up and I kind of just had to compartmentalize my creative side to pursue a career that meant financial stability because otherwise it's like the other option is to marry somebody who would uh, provide that. And so just you creating a channel for your nieces to have financial support is so powerful. I also have three nieces, so um, I'm really inspired in, in thinking about how I can be that for them too so yeah wow if we can shift a little bit um one of the questions we had was around healing and I know that you mentioned that a little bit um but you have been you know pretty open about past experiences on your Instagram and I think just in general for women what do you think that it looks like to heal from trauma of any sort I mean you know I think healing looks different for everybody but I think what what are what does it look like to heal and what are the steps that we can take to heal from from trauma and past experiences? Great question. It feels like you are running, running, running up the mountain, huffing, puffing. And when you get up the mountain, you're all the way up and you feel like you've arrived. But you got to go further. You can't see where to go. All you see is darkness, utter darkness, but you have to go further. And so you jump from the top of the mountain, not knowing how far you will fall or what you will fall on. And during that fall, you shed every single fear. And when you fall, whether it be earth meaning groundedness, water, meaning fluidity, fire, meaning passion, ether, spirituality, or whatever element it may be. For me, for my fall, it was water. It was fluidity that caught me. And it made me realize I got to learn to swim on my own, with my own limbs, no one is going to teach me how to swim. With a lot of us South Asian women, we've been over and over and over and over given this idea that someone's going to pay for you. Someone's going to take care of you. Someone's going to protect you. Someone's going to inspire you. Whatever you need, there's somebody there for. So don't worry. You don't need to do much. There's someone there for you. That's untrue. I had to learn to swim by myself and wave through all of this, this, this current that was opposite to my flow and arrive at an island that was purely mine and I get to make it my home where I get to come to my body. I know that I speak in metaphors and so I'll explain this a little bit in a logical sense. Healing looks like facing your fear, 
in the most loving, compassionate way like you would hold your firstborn. You've got to treat all of your fears like your firstborn and caress it, care for it, hug it, milk it, and really, really come from that motherly, passionate, compassionate space where it's like, tell me, child, tell me, fear, what are you looking for? What do you need? How can I turn you from a crying baby to a smiling, laughing baby? And no one fits all, no one fits all kind of course or path or journey will work for everybody. For everyone, it's different. Everybody, it's different. So in today's wellness and psychotherapy areas, what I've seen is the missing factor there is that we're, we're going through the same kind of, oh, check these 10, 10 things off your list and you'll be healed. Go through this kind of therapy process and you'll be healed. It doesn't work like that. We have to tap into our own fears, hug them, caress them, invite them in, create a space for them to speak to us and say, I'm, I'm your fear. I'm coming from this place. And so it takes a lot of questioning, a lot of curiosity, and a lot of courage to listen to what it's trying to say in response. Curiosity to ask the right questions. Tell me, where is this fear coming from? Fear, when were you first felt in my body? Where did I feel you in my body? And are you still there? If yes, how is it showing up? You don't need to ask these questions in the way that we're asking the questions in this podcast today, where you're asking me a question, I'm responding right away. We ask these questions and open them. Open the space, open our ears with full courage to listen when the answer comes. And the answers will come to you in the most unexpected ways. And where are these answers coming from? Your body, the wisdom of your body, because it already knows what it needs to be fully healthy and thriving. It doesn't need a psychotherapist to tell it. It doesn't need, you know, a leader to tell it. It doesn't need me to tell it. It already knows because it came to life with all wisdom already in there. All we need to do is just face it, open ourselves to receiving what it is that it's trying to say. And this can be really, really, really fucking tough. Oh my God. It can be so tough. So if anybody's saying, oh, I'm feeling great. Yeah, my healing started. I'm feeling great. I'm feeling wonderful. You know, right away, that's a lie. Because healing for years or for however long you need to heal for does not feel good. It's hard. It's tough. It's gooey. It's messy. It's squishy. It's all things that you've always resisted, that you've never wanted to feel before. And you get to, in that epiphany moment, and for some people it happens right away, for some people it takes months, days, years, whatever, to each their own, but it always comes down to that one moment of epiphany where you're like, okay, I'm going to finally accept and love all of my fears and invite them in and instead of seeing them as fears i'm going to now start to see them as signals signals that i shouldn't be here or there why do we have all these fears that we gotta really process through is because through several events in our life we had to hold the fear in we had to really hold it in couldn't really express it do we remember our mothers or fathers telling us, shh, don't be loud. You don't like that? Shut up. Get up and go do this. You have to. Otherwise, you won't be successful. So we'd been silenced for so long in expressing our fears and expressing our signals that are just our intuition, that they have stagnated and turned into poison within our system. So 
to only turn poison into medicine, you need love, pure love for yourself. Thank you for sharing that. Yes, it really hit <laughs> hit me for sure. I wanted to ask, once we learn how to do this with ourselves, do you have any advice for how people can do this for others or how you're so good at holding space for all kinds of feelings and experiences. Do you have advice on how people can do that with their loved ones? Yeah, absolutely. Number one advice is don't do it immaturely. Don't pretend to hold space or comfort someone if you have not comforted yourself fully. Number two is to really just be present with the person. Don't give advice. Do not mend their, with their process. Do not say, you need to drink water. You need to breathe. You need to move. Da, 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 da. No. The best holding that you can do for anyone is to just be fully present. And that will vibrate to them. This, this presence will vibrate to them so strongly that they've been worrying about the past and the future, right? That they will come into the presence with you. And this happens energetically. So as long as you can be present with yourself and then you can hold the space in presence and witnessing them, witness them in their fullness in the presence, you will allow them to come back come into the presence. Two very simple tips. I don't have a third one. Wow. Yeah, thank you for that. I think that's really important. I think oftentimes people tr are uncomfortable when they are holding space. And so as a way to mitigate that, um, sometimes we'll try to offer solutions or advice because they don't really know how to what else to do? And, you know, it's coming from a really sincere place and they want to be helpful. But I think what you said is so important. Like sometimes what people just really need is someone to just be there and listen and, you know, full in with without any judgment, um, without any, you know, of their own input and just kind of be there to witness what's going on. And so I think that that's really important. And I think another thing that this reminds me of is I've read a lot about how healing or not read but I've I've seen a lot of tweets about how healing is not linear um, you know and so it's not going to be this like perfect line of progress where you start one day and then two years from now or however what however much time from now you'll be healed I think throughout your life it's going to constantly be a work in progress and there's going to be times where you might regress a little bit or you might, um, you know, fall back into old habits or, you know, you just might not be feeling 100% with your healing process. Um, um, and there's going to be other times where it's it's going great and you feel like, you know, you've really, you've made a lot of progress. And so I think that there's also a need to sort of open the possibility that, you know, healing is just going to be a lifelong journey. Um, and that doesn't mean that things are always going to be bad or good. It's just it is what it is. You kind of have to constantly work on it. Yeah, absolutely. I just want to add an example here that may make it a little bit more clear. Um, for instance, there is a moment um, and I'll, I'll, I'll speak very freely here. This past Christmas, for the first time, I experienced a family gathering without friction without taunting, haunting voices and people fighting uh, in very passive ways and even the compliments and, and things being passive. None of that was present. It was just super, super simple, super flowy um, and wonderful and loving in all ways. The first time in my 30 years of existence on this earth, in this body, I experienced free-flowing loving family and it triggered the hell out of me it triggered me so much that that evening i was just talking about you know running escaping nothing works nobody sees me nobody cares for me and so in that moment 
I called one of my soul sisters, and you may have seen her in in our rooms before, Chelsea. And I told her everything that I was feeling, and she agreed with me. In those moments, she agreed with me. She's like, yeah, Salaha, you're right. Nobody sees you. Yeah, you should run away. Because I was asking for that. In that moment, that's what I needed. Instead of being like, no, Sal, what are you talking about? You've worked so hard to come here. This is what you want. Wake up. So she allowed me to flow with everything that I was feeling in that moment instead of creating a resistance, creating an opposite reflection that didn't really reflect what I was feeling in that moment. And then that night I slept like a baby because I cried so hard. And in the morning I woke up and I was like, oh my God, wow, I was so triggered because in 30 years of my life, never experienced something like this. My partner was like, babe, I was so worried for you. And I called Chelsea and Chelsea was like, how are you feeling? I was like, oh my God, I feel relieved that I got to process that. And so in that moment, she was present with me in exactly how I was feeling. Not trying to tell me to be any different than what I was feeling in that moment. And so the wisdom and the healing came by being just me and having someone there who just saw that and said yes and had trust that I'm going to come to myself. So a lot of the times when we're giving advice, what we don't realize is that we are in some way instigating this, this doubtful thought in the person saying that, oh, I don't know what I'm talking about. And as soon as that happens and manifests in your reality, you're not, you're not going to connect with your intuition. You're not going to connect with the wisdom of your body. You're not going to connect with, when I say wisdom of the body, it's not just the body that's been born in this lifetime. Your body has been evolving for thousands of years from a tiny little worm to what it is now. And it's intelligent as fuck. So don't doubt it. It's like saying, oh, I doubt the sun. It's not going to raise tomorrow. <sighs> okay. Does that make sense? I just wanted to bring that. It came to my heart and I wanted to bring that example forward. <laughs> yeah, I'm like about to, I, I was saying, I was just texting Zainab like, oh my God, I'm crying <laughs> because you're my Chelsea and our friend Rubby. And um, that's so beautiful that just to have people who will accept us exactly where we are and trust us even in moments when we don't like... Yeah, when you have the moments where, like, you know how you feel and you ask your friend, like, this is how I feel. And then they just tell you, like, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> like, this is what you want. I can see it in you. I, I'm witnessing what you want. And it, that's so beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. And I just, um, I'm swept away in the, a sea of emotions of how powerful that is to just trust and being able to find other people in the world in our lifetimes who also trust the wisdom in our bodies and in our relationships to hold each other through those moments of growth yeah same I'm like tearing up a little bit after hearing that um, because it is just like it is really really a huge blessing to have people like that in your life who just will will listen and validate you no matter what and trust that you are gonna you are equipped with the tools that you need um to to be able to you know come to your own conclusions about things or just to heal yourself like I think that with Sidra and with our friend Ravi and you know so many of my other friends like I really feel that and so when you put it into words Saliha it like hit me like a ton of bricks I was like oh my god yeah that's that that really is it um, so thank you for, for sharing that. I did want to ask how you take care of yourself, uh, because I imagine having all these conversations so often can get pretty taxing. So is there anything that you do to take care of your mental and emotional health? The idea that supporting other women becomes taxing is false. Um, and if anyone has this idea that supporting each other um, becomes hectic, Hard, they should not be doing this work. 
it's not for them they're not ready um they don't have the understanding yet and as soon as i think or have this thought and it can happen to me as soon as i have this thought oh supporting this woman listen to all of this and spending hours a day supporting women is hectic to me heavy to me it becomes heavy and hectic you hear what i'm saying so with words with feelings we're creating our reality so we got to be really really mindful of what reality we're creating for ourselves how i take care of myself i go with the flow i don't do anything that i am not 100% confirmed to do and my life has completely transformed by making decisions from my yoni space from my womb space <laughs> So I'm not making decisions for my head anymore, sisters. I'm not because I, I that did not work for a very long time. It has not worked. My psyche has betrayed me over and over and over again. And so I am like, okay, psyche, you're in rest mode, reboot, and mama womb is going to take care of everything so whether even when it comes to like you know picking food for the day clothing where to take my dog for a walk how to love my partner today the decisions are coming from my womb and it's so magical that when i actually ask and put my hands on my lower belly area i can feel when it's tense and when it's relaxed it's all about just tuning in and so i take care of myself by really tuning in to my body and feeling what does it need sometimes it needs to go crazy okay and this is just jump around go wild yell at something kick something sometimes it needs to be super slow i need to turn off my phone i need to turn off everything i don't even want to connect with my own partner i just want to be by myself sometimes I am flowing in creativity. Sometimes it wants to cry. Sometimes it wants So there's a diversity of unlimited infinite amount of things that it wants. And if I just tap into it, I'm able to create that environment, that caring environment in that moment for myself. And I am not a super rich person. I do not come from a privileged background. no one has been providing for me for over 15 years so and i'm not coming from having like who oh, i have everything in my life and i have people working for me da, da, da. i have very little wealth in terms of the money that we know all that i'm doing is investing in exactly what i feel i need in the moment and i have gotten rid of every other thing in my life i don't invest in fashion uh makeup <sighs> events and things that just <sighs> distract you from reality i don't engage in communities or things that i don't fully believe in and by simplifying my daily routine simplifying my food simplifying my closet simplifying my schedule simplifying my bank account and all my wealth i have created this abundance that's flowing towards exactly what i need in the moment when i need it no pre-planning no thinking about oh i'm going to be here in 5 years and for that i need to take this 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 step yeah for some people that works and for a lot of people it works in the way that they think but really how happy are you because do you even know you're going to be there in 5 years uh, so all that we have isn't it the most wisest thing to invest it in today in this moment right now that's just how i look at it and it's transformed my life and so yeah two two very simple three very simple things um making decisions based on coming that that are coming from my womb space that are coming from my body whenever i feel shrunken it's a it's a no when i feel expansive in my body it's a yes second 
to simplify my life, my food, my closet, my schedule, my money. Third is to just go with the flow. No need to pre-plan. I was a pre-planner like, I remember writing all sorts of plans. Oh, I'm going to graduate high school in 2009. And then I'm going to go to the, this university. And then I'm going to study this. And then I'm going to have a career in this. And then I'm going to find a guy like this. And then I'm going to get married. And then I'm going to have kids like this. And then I'm going to have this amount of money. And then I'm going to do this and do that. Uh, duh. Life has shown me that life is not like that at all. And when I'm trying to be like that, all I'm writing in my story is pain and I don't want to write pain in my story anymore and I don't want any external circumstances to write my story either so the only factor in my life is me and the only investment in my life is the presence that's it yeah, Zainab and I were just catching up on our burnout journeys. We were talking a little bit about, um, you know, how it's going, how we're continuing to learn and adapt, how we take care of ourselves. And we were literally talking about how we want to stop putting things in our calendar because we don't know how we're going to be feeling and trying to move from a way of having quantity in a day to having quality in our days. So that hits you hit the nail right on the head of like a way to a different way to approach life and not just healing but just a a different way to create a life that like you said is not um what did you say you don't want to live a life with pain anymore and I think pain is inevitable but like there's so many ways that we can approach ourselves with love and what we're trying to accomplish in the world with love and care for ourselves and our bodies and our health rather than the capitalist productive scheme of like here's my five-year plan of how I'm going to do xyz and then I break it down into one-year segments and then I break it down into my weekly tasks and just how all of that for me feels so heavy and I've really been trying to lean into like how do I feel what do I feel like doing a completely different approach than what I've been used to my whole life. That brings us to our final question. What is your vision for the collective and for women? My vision for the collective is to completely reframe and introduce a new architecture of how we do business, how we work, how we create value and wealth. Um, by eliminating hierarchy, eliminating this structure, like you said, and creating more of a hybrid between fluidity and structure. Um, I really believe in creating new feminine way of doing business is the, the sustainable way to do business, which Earth has been crying for us to do. Um, and so my vision for Behanchara is to be, I started to be very, you know, localized towards South Asian women. And I think that the same model can be um, replicated for all women of color, all women of all cultures around the world. Because um, in the bigger picture, we all want the same thing, liberation and just the ability to live and exist with our own choices and nobody else's. And the future of women, I am so, so excited for the future of women because as we've heard, and we all must know, the future is female. <laughs> um, statistics tell us that, uh, the world's population tells us that, and how our consciousness is evolving tells us that. Um, and women are, we're going to, and we are reviving the truth, the humanity, the love, the empathy, the compassion that we've been lacking for so long. And so the future of women, as I see it, is full, blossoming in ourselves. We, 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 
are going to birth as truly us and no longer as anything that anybody else wants us to be with the opportunity to weave all new balanced systems and architectures in in our world and I'm so so freaking excited like so incredibly excited I hope that I have a hundred years of life if not that I live through something else to witness this like this is just going to be immense the time period that we've entered now and where we're going towards it's just it's it's so powerful and so balanced and yeah that's my little thought um what a wonderful conversation girls oh my god and 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 thank you for for having for holding this space for me to speak about it like while speaking about all this stuff like i didn't even realize that i had all this in me and wanted to say all of it and so this is just amazing i'm so grateful to the both of you thank you thank you for coming on and joining us and sharing your thoughts with us it was really always so great to hear from you how can people find you and follow your work please go to behenjara.com which is b e h n c h a r a um and sign up to be part of the safe sustainable sacred sisterhood collective we're going to have journeys that take us through all different sorts and areas and of our liberation and um we're going to have so much more like affirmations and songs and and i want all of our sisters to co-create with um each other together and so this space um that i'm building is for everybody and specifically localized for south asian women women who are first generation working and navigating the world around them or um not working and still trying to navigate the world around them um we're gonna have you know memberships and your ability to sign up for a membership very very soon and so it's gonna be really really incredible and we're just gonna come together and heal each other and so it'll be really awesome for you to be part of it and um yeah um that's me thank you Bye-bye, Santa. Bye-bye, Sidra. Bye, everybody. Mwah, mwah, mwah.